From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's July 16th, 2021. You're listening to the best poker cast on the internet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm not. <laughs> you are not. That's true. Ah, I'm Scott Long. I always wanted to say that. Maybe I have said that once before. <laughs> I can't recall. But then it, it's funny because I wonder if there are people who are just starting to listen to this show this week and they really have no clue who you are and who I am and do we really need to say our names. But Because uh, the rest of the people are uh, grandfathered into our horrible advice and yes, bad stuff. Yes. And it's funny that people still to this day think a lot of times I said something that you said and you said something that I said. And they get our, get us mixed really up. Surprises me because I've got the voice. You've got that squeaky little. I know, uh, right? So. Exactly. <laughs> Even they see you in person, they still do it. You know, you see them at a casino or something, and they're like, "Hey, you're Scott, right?" And I'm like, "Uh, do I sound like this? <laughs> Are you drunk?" Oh my god, that's a good Muppet voice there. Thank Thanks, you. Buddy. Thanks. Thank you. All right, so I'm going to blame you for this because I just blame you for everything because it's yeah. easier. Yeah. But, so uh, you remember a couple of weeks ago, it might even been last week, that you mentioned that fantastic uh, 10th anniversary trophy that our fans bought us? Uh, it was uh, 100 shows, right? 100 shows, that's right. Yeah, 100, 100 shows. That's right. I remember that. Uh, yes. And uh, so, yeah, so this is all your fault. So it has been... On uh, the top shelf of my desk since we started Andy up, as far as I can remember. Um, I think maybe you had it for a little bit, maybe. But anyhow, for a long time, it's been on the top of my desk with some other like my other trophies and things. And um, so, you know, about six months ago, we adopted this new uh, cat, Maple. Uh, she's adorable. Um, and um, she, she's a little disabled. She has like a she had got an injury when she was a kitten, and so she walks a little funny. Uh-huh. And has trouble jumping, so she has a little bit of a confidence problem. But once she jumps somewhere and figures out how to get where she's going, she's freaking Rambo. She doesn't <laughs> scares her, right? Right. So, and um, so, not too long ago, she figured out how to jump up to the my smaller bookcase, onto the uh, dresser that I keep all the Annie up swag in, and then from there, she can jump to the very top of my desk and prance around up there. Um, to her heart's content. Now, I've always noticed her up there, and it's always scared me because she's a little bit klutzy because she, you know, she walks weird because yeah. her just. Um, but uh, but I don't want to go grabbing her because then she'll freak out and knock everything off, right? So I've just been like finger crossed that uh, uh, hell won't ring down on me ever. Well, hell rained down on me last week. Oh no! <laughs> I was on a call with uh, Ben Irwin, our our good friend out of Thunder Valley Casino Resort, talking about the NTF World Championship, and this massive. Smash! Literally six inches from me. <laughs> oh man! Shards go everywhere. Ben's still talking phone. He's no and no idea what's going on. And I'm like, ah, what's going on? And I look up, and uh, Mabel's just looking down, like, hey, I didn't do it. And I'm like, you totally did it. You're the only one up there. And then so when I picked up the shards of glass, I realized it was <laughs> it was a trophy. Oh no way! Now there is a, a good, somewhat good ending. I mean, obviously, I'm putting. Uh, the best lipstick I can buy on this pig. <laughs> uh, but you remember, it was like the top part was like a poker chip, and then the bottom base was the engraved Annie up to Scott and Chris, right? Yeah. The bottom is intact. The important part is intact. Okay. And it actually looks kind of cool because it looks like it got into a street fight. <laughs> <laughs> a tiny chunk of it out of the top. 
Uh, but now it's been moved to a safer location that is a maple-free zone. Um, the, the the chip has been retired to a landfill nearby, but um, the rest of it is still there. I actually think it looks cooler. But it can be used as a weapon now. Oh, absolutely! Awesome. It could have been used as a weapon initially because uh, had I been like a couple inches different, I would probably be wearing this trophy on my head for the rest of my life. Oh my gosh! So so basically, you and Laura are in the house one night and you hear a noise. Now you know where to go running for to protect yourself. Grab a weapon and. Yes. Hit somebody exactly. over the head with it. Excellent. I will get rid of that intruder with the remnants of the 100th episode uh, trophy. <laughs> I was hoping that, like, the part that said Antifaso broke off, you know, because <laughs> he basically had nothing to do with the show except he'd come on and be annoying every once in a while. So, reason number what? 648 not to have pets. Uh, well, yeah, but there are 4 million other ones. <laughs> the, the reason to have them? Well, I got rid of all of mine. Or doesn't mean you had to. Yeah, lie. that's right. Most of us like cats. That's right. No more turtles, baby. I finally got an open house again. No more freaking 210-gallon behemoth in this corner of my house. Of course, it's going to cost me a lot of money. Part of the enjoyment of visiting your house back when I used to visit your house was seeing uh, the uh, transgression of the uh, of uh, the tanks. Yeah, yeah. From that little, like, starter tank that they give the kids at the state fair to yeah. that one that just literally, like, was bigger than your pool. Yeah, it went, it went from a candy dish... To a 10-gallon, to a 20-gallon, to a 55-gallon, to a 72-gallon, to a 210-gallon, to an 800-gallon pond outside. That was yep. the absolute progression of it. And now I'm only down to a pond outside for fish, so I'm ecstatic. <laughs> All right, let's talk poker. Yeah, let's talk about poker here. So after a lengthy bidding war with Bally's, Element Partners has closed on its purchase the World Poker Tour from Allied Esports. Final price was $105 million. We were in there all the way up until one hundred four. I know. Yeah. Uh, no word yet on what plans Element has for the WPT. So or the, finally this thing is over because remember it was like back in like February, March. It's like every day we had or every week we were talking about, say, hey, there's a new bid. There's a new bid. There's a new bid. There's a new bid. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And uh, and actually, I'm a little surprised here. I mean, we kind of know the the ceiling for Bally's now because Bally's is buying up the entire world right now, Chris. So wow. if we could find somebody at Bally's, we would send them the anti-up sales proposal. <laughs> <laughs> but literally, no, they bought up a bunch of casinos. They bought up a bunch of other stuff. They, they, they've taken over my sports network with the Razor on. Um, so kind of interesting that they lost out on this one, but, uh, probably in their mind they didn't cause they probably had a price that made sense for them. But so we'll be interested in see what, uh, the new owners have in store for the, uh, WPT. Remember, um, the old school, was it Lyle Berman? I think that started WPT and all those guys that they were the ones who actually started it back in the day when the boom happened and everything. And they used to always, you'd always see an interview with them and they would talk about how, you know, they're basically losing money to have this World Poker Tour. You know, they're, they're just losing money hand over fist to have it. Have. I wonder if, I mean, I don't think they owned it at this point. There were different owners since yeah. then, but obviously Bally's owned it. But I just wonder if they, like, regretted it now or if they're happy that they did it and they ended up making money that, you know what I mean, if it was worth it to them now after oh, all yeah. this. Oh, yeah, certainly Lyle Berman made a ton of money off it uh, when, when he sold it. So. Yeah, okay, good. And then uh, he think uh, there might have been one other owner in before between Allied, but I could be wrong on that. Okay. But yeah. So far, it seems like everybody's made money on at least on the sale. Now the operation, maybe <laughs> that's a different story. But uh, but yeah, it's 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 been a profitable product. So and uh, okay. and see a very well known brand. Oh, well, good for them. Well, I'll be interested to see what uh, Element does with it. 
All right, uh, WSOP.com has become the fourth company to open an online poker room in Pennsylvania. Its room features its new Poker 8 software. The site is in, still in soft launch, but is offering sign-up bonuses. Pennsylvania has not entered into compacts with any other states to share players yet. Is it really that hard for you to say, uh, like, two more syllables to say WSOP.com? <laughs> I mean, really, you have to always say WSOP? I don't even know what, who came up with WSOP. Was it you? Probably could have been me. I don't know. You tried to coin it, aren't you? <laughs> Trying to coin it. So this is cool. I mean, I think ultimately Pennsylvania will get into a, an agreement with more states or whatever, I would think. I mean, they are pretty big, but I, I would think it would benefit them to have more players, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, I think it would benefit all these states to have more players. So it is a little bit surprising that uh, more haven't done that yet. Um, but I think a lot of it was that I'm waiting on that Wire Act interpretation, which seems to have gone uh, um, Poker's the state. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. so um, hopefully that will open up the floodgates here pretty soon and, and get some of these uh, these players on other states. Uh, you know, those poor folks in West Virginia. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, you know, there's other uh, the side gig I'm doing where I'm, you know, news aggregating. Like seeing, like, and one of the things that we we uh, share in the newsletters is, you know, financials of states and how they're doing, and uh, West Virginia not doing very well at all in online gaming, and uh, you know, no fault of them. That's just a very tiny state, so yeah, you know, yeah, benefit by having more players and more games. So, huh. we'll see. That's cool. All right, an interview with Poker Industry Pro and Executive 888 Holdings said the online poker operator has teamed up with Sports Illustrated and will soon offer Sports Illustrated branded online gaming in up to four states, um, including Colorado, where they um, might be launching an SI Poker. Wow, I I would imagine that the swimsuit issue will play prominently in this uh, marketing. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Right? I would imagine, like, you know, I, I just, I can't imagine it not happening you know to some lure you in i mean yeah I, I i just can't imagine it not happening well it just shows you the power of brands right so yeah. you know um, it's it was started out as a magazine and uh, kind of like us right and then uh now it's licensing is named online gaming kind of not like us uh, yeah <laughs> yeah why aren't why haven't we done that again oh we tried it it didn't work out yeah, we tried that a couple times yeah yeah it was always uh what was it like the membership rooms that we kind of tied our name to not real rooms so uh, so yeah, it just shows the power, and you know, brand is is good. I mean, if you you have no reason, uh, no differentiation between online poker rooms and one Sports Illustrated, and you grew up, you know, reading the swimsuit issue, um, that's the one you're going to play at, right? So now, once you get in there, it has to be a good product. So that's the other thing that what to wait and see, because you know, you're not going to stick with a Sports Illustrated poker room if the product sucks. So um, we'll see. I would imagine. 888, I mean, 888 is so quality that, you know, just be yeah. another skin for 888. Right. Speaking of skin, I think it would be a big thing to have their swimsuit issue <laughs> as part of their selling of their product. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, somewhat related, and I promise you uh, I did not find this searching the way you think I would have found this by searching, but uh, Pornhub has an online gaming site now. Oh, my. you kidding me. Again, they license their name to somebody else. And, uh, oh, jeez. And and the the article said it's uh, the room is fits the theme. <laughs> so, that's oh what you're, man! So for folks, but it, it, you have to wonder about the credibility now of like a publication that's not gaming. Like you're not going to see New York Times Casino coming to you soon. You know what I mean? Well, you can. I mean, I guess what I'm saying about the power of the brand. Yeah, 
brand, you can put it on anything. It could be Sports Illustrated ice cream, you know, and people would buy it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't even. I was going to say something about. No, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it. We are a quality program. Still friendly to children. Oh, man. Well, I do hope, though, if, if in the SI poker room, your avatar, you can choose from uh, swimsuit models. That would be pretty cool. Or or better yet, the body issue. Those are always my favorite. <laughs> oh, yeah, the body issue. That's right. Yeah. yeah give me a little Kelly O'Hara from the women's soccer team with my avatar. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. That's hilarious. <laughs> so we'll see what happens with that. So. All right, and then reminder that the NTF Fan uh, Auction will continue through 9 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday, July 20th. That's this Tuesday coming up, so don't dolly. Uh, don't dolly. Don't dolly. Don't don't paint some. Where did that even come from? Don't doddle. Don't doddle, folks. <laughs> go, go bid on stuff. Uh, some of the items have fierce bidding going on now, uh, but there are still a handful. Boy, boy, I messed up these notes a lot, didn't I? Wow. Handful. Handful of items that are bidless, so it's a good chance for you to get a piece of anti-up history at a bargain price. Go to 32auctions.com slash anti-up to bid, and that's the numerals, 32auctions.com slash anti-up to bid. And uh, let me see the update here. Let me uh, check the big tote board. We are up to uh, $327.04 raised for the Scott and Chris Fund. Yes, yes. We are retiring soon. Well, only if we get that above three hundred twenty-seven dollars and four cents. <laughs> that's so. right. That's right. But it's been fun to watch the the bidding going on and seeing some names that we've we've known a long time bidding, and uh, uh, and then uh, you know um, Jason Mollett was uh, bidding in weird increments in honor of me and bidding in uh, rush numbers for you. Yeah, so that was great. It's been a little kind of fun to watch. So, yeah, but awesome. uh, Tuesday, nine p.m. Eastern. Is the last time to bid on all these priceless treasures. Excellent. It says so right on the. On the. <laughs> all right, here's this week's update on poker room reopenings. In Illinois, Jumer's Casino has reopened its poker room. We now have 259 reopened poker rooms in the United States. Antiopmagazine.com slash reopen. List re- verified details on poker room reopenings. If you have updates, email us at editor at antiopmagazine.com. We're also emailing a weekly e blast with updates that you can subscribe to on the homepage at antiopmagazine.com. Okay, it's time for any updates. The Annie Up World Championship will be at Thunder Valley Casino Resort near Sacramento, California, August 13th to 29th, with satellites beginning August 6th. There will be 17 events over 17 days with $1 million in guaranteed prize money, including the $1,650 main event, which runs August 27th to the 29th and has a 500K guarantee. For the schedule and structures, visit ThunderValleyCasinoResort.com and click on the Poker tab. Uh, Pates, the Antioch Fans free online tournament series on PokerStars Play Money site, is available everywhere. Details on how to join can be found at bit.ly slash P-A-I-P-S. Games are on the 6th, 16th, and 26th of every month. And rotate disciplines with a main tournament followed by a second chance event. PokerStars lets you claim 15,000 free chips every four hours. Join the Antioch Fans Group Facebook page and post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask call to four questions, or just discuss anything poker. Check out our 11 vintage Antioch logo designs on merchandise at antiochmagazine.com slash shop. You can buy t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, and more with your choice of Antioch Magazine, Antioch PokerCast, or Antioch Poker Tour logos. If you have a hand of the week, a listener spotlight, or call the floor submission, email it to us at podcast at com, or post in the Annie Up Fans group on Facebook. Each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at com. If they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with call the floor and hand of the week, we send them something cool. Vic G, back in the house. 
He says, I took, uh, I finally took a long-awaited poker road trip through Texas, making stops in Houston, Austin, and San Antonio, playing in 18 poker clubs over a span of nine days. After hearing Chris comment on a recent podcast that he would never voluntarily straddle, as did Scott, I don't think Scott said it too, um, <laughs> he said, I thought I'd see uh, if that would hold true in Texas poker clubs. When it comes to the straddle in Texas, only the button or under-the-gun players can straddle. The minimum straddle is two times the big blind with no maximum. The most unusual departure from how I've seen the straddle work in most poker rooms is the button straddle acts last unless facing two or more raises. Here's how that would work. Let's say you put on a $4 button straddle in a 1-2 no limit hold'em game. The under the gun player acts first, not the small blind. Action will proceed around the table to the cutoff, then hop over the button with the small blind acting next. Once the small blind and big blind complete their action, then the button acts. Let's say you straddle the button for $4 and a player in middle position fo opens, uh, followed by a three bet from the cutoff. Then, facing two raises, you would act in turn. Let's take this extreme scenario. Action starts with the under-the-gun player. There are a number of folds and limps. After the cutoff acts, action skips over your button. The small blind limps, and now a big blind, the big blind raises to $15. Action would again continue around the table with a number of folds and calls. After the cutoff acts, you would only be facing a single raise. So action once again skips over you and to the small blind. If the small blind now puts in the three bet to $50, action would proceed around the table and after the cutoff acts, then and only then would you have to act. This might have saved you $35 if you had, uh, like say, where you might have called the initial raise but folded to the three bet. This might also earn you more money if you had and could wait for the big blind to do the three betting for you before you push out a four bet. This method of applying the button straddle makes your position on the button even more powerful, especially if the game is shorthanded, allowing you to have the blinds act before you. So, for an extra $2, would you consider straddling your button in Texas, Chris? Oh, man. Th this is just the most complicated, worthless thing I have ever read. I was just going to say, somebody wasted a huge portion of their life coming up with this nonsense. <laughs> it's absolute nonsense. Uh, let, let's just let's just say, all of a sudden in baseball, we decide to have the shortstop pitch <laughs> from the shortstop position, though, not from the mound. And then the person who's batting can bring three bats up with him and stand on the plate. And if the ball hits him, uh, he gets he gets a double out of it. Not a, I mean, it's ridiculous. Just go around the table and bet like you're supposed to, and this is ridiculous. It's hard enough to get people to post their blinds and act in turn as it is. Now you've got them doing mental gymnastics to know when it's their turn to act. That just that can do nothing but slow the game and frustrate people. It's ridiculous. Yep. It's kind of like I'm thinking like, you know, that movie Basketball. <laughs> yes. Created a game in the middle of the driveway. <laughs> that movie was actually surprisingly funny and good. It was actually, yeah. It I mean, really was. Um, uh, super creative. Yep. So, um, yeah, I'm like, uh, you know, this is like, it's kind of like, you know, back you know, in high school journalism when you had the, you got the, your first Cork Express. <laughs> yeah. 
or page maker is page, page maker, right? page maker. That's right. All this page maker. You seventeen fonts, and you're like seventeen fonts. This is awesome. <laughs> and you put all seventeen fonts in a newspaper. That's this. Somebody is just like, hey, wait, but, but we're not done. Let's do this too. Yeah. It's all complete nonsense, and uh, you know, I mean, so here's the thing. One, I I don't get why they offer the button or the under the gun to straddle. I mean. Why would you straddle under the gun? I mean, again, this is like goes back to the whole Mississippi straddle. Anyhow, you know, if they offer you the straddle on the button, you why would you ever straddle from anywhere else? Yeah, because I mean, that's that's where you'd want to do it from. Um, now, I guess if you're like a serial straddler, you, you want to be able to straddle from any position, but that's a different story. So, so given the choice of the button or under the gun, there, there's really even less reason to straddle under the gun in this game than normal. So you would be doing it on the button. And then now, because uh, those, these gymnastics and stuff, I mean, he's right. I'm like, the button's already the most powerful spot on the table. And now you, this is like superpowers. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know why you'd want to play in this game, uh, why you'd want to enter a pot unless you're the big blind. I mean, the button in this game. I mean... The button has so much power now with this that it, it, I think it would wreck the game. But apparently it hasn't because they're doing this, uh, and theoretically in lots of places in Texas. So maybe there's something I'm missing. But uh, I, I think this would really mess the game up to the point that it's unplayable. So, And I, I'm, I'm a little confused. I, I think you – I'm not sure now. I'm not speaking for you. But I think you were thinking that in the same game it could be the button or the under the gun. But I think he was saying – some rooms allow it on the button. Some rooms allow it under the gun, but not both in the same game, right? Well, that would make sense. Game, but but yeah, you would be able. I, my understanding from what he wrote is that if you are under the gun or on the button, you can straddle. See, I was reading as in, because he says when it comes to the straddle in Texas, only that or that can happen. So you you couldn't do it both times. The button wants to straddle, and the under gun's going to argue with him. Why well, want to straddle? So I would think that he means that well, rooms. Straddles. So, I mean, I've seen that before where if it starts under the gun with the straddle and then the next person wants to straddle as well, too, they have to straddle for a raise. Uh, uh, and I've actually seen hands where everybody at the table is straddled. So <laughs> everybody's already in for $20 or whatever yeah. before the first card. So I, I don't think that – I mean, usually they, they give the option of – position so uh, I would if, if, I, if my reading and I could be wrong uh, is correct they would offer the straddle of the end of the gun first and if he or she declines then it would be offered to the button next so which I guess would be a reason to straddle under the gun because you want to take that power away from the button in that case then yeah probably you would be straddling <laughs> every time oh, but. that's just absolutely ridiculous because now, now you're really slowing the game down if that's the case I still feel like it's not the case but if that's the case then it's like okay post your blinds please hey under the gun do you want to straddle no oh hey button excuse me button stop talking do you want to straddle you've already wasted 15 seconds I could have had well, my hand already yeah, and it, it's annoying. It really is annoying, but everything about the straddle is annoying. So. Yeah, I'm definitely not doing it. <laughs> oh, you know what? We got a new O'Malley's move today, so here it comes. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we're playing in a $1, $3, No Limit Hold'em casino cash game. We're playing in this game with a player from our regular home game, but of course are playing on the up and up against him. We butt in for 300 and currently sit with 450. The game is eight handed, but two players are away at this time. 
The blinds post, the under the gun folds, and we're in the MP with the ace of clubs, king of clubs. This is a great hand, especially six-handed. We make it $12 to go, which is standard. The hijack calls. This player plays cautiously pre-flop, but plays very well after the flop. He's the player from our regular home game. He's talkative and tricky, and oftentimes says things to get you off balance. He bought in for $300 as well, but has had an amazing night. He sits with $1,500. The rest of the table folds. There's roughly $25 in the pot, and the flop is the 8 of hearts, 6 of hearts, 4 of diamonds. Okay, so we missed, but we're going to C-bet here. We make it $15 to go. The hijack makes a statement. You C-bet too much. Then calls. There's now $55 in the pot, and the turn is the ace of diamonds. This is a perfect opportunity to trap, especially knowing he knows our flop was a C-bet. We check. Our opponent insta-checks and says, Give me a heart or a seven. The pot is still $55, and the river is the deuce of hearts. I'm ultimately not too concerned about the hearts. I think a bet is in order here. We make it $40 to go. Our opponent double checks his cards, then slides in 200 So, if we call and lose, it hurts on more than just one level. What's the move? It's time for the VancePokerTrain.com Hand of the Weeks in Your Hands or Situations podcast at antietmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Jimmy Fulton uh, is providing the hand this week. Sounds like a journalist, right? Maybe I'm just thinking Jimmy Olsen, but you know, Jimmy Fulton, <laughs> I think. Yeah, you got to either be a, a journalist or a country music star. Yeah, country music sounds right. Because I was thinking of like Fulton County in Atlanta, you know. That's what I was thinking of. All right, uh, Jimmy says, so I went to the casino for the first time since the pandemic, and man, what a night it was. Before I talk about the hand, I want to give you some information. This table was very, well, let's be nice, and call it active. Most <laughs> of the tables did not fold or raise this pre-flop and would call three bets with marginal hands. Probably straddling all over the place. Uh, too, probably, of course. Uh, it's a 1-3, no limit oldum, uh, full table. Uh, he says, stacks vary quite a bit. After a slow start, I'm in for a total of 500 and managed to get my stack up to roughly $1,100. Wow. Everyone at the table covered but two people, but neither of them are important for this hand. All right, so where are the effective stack? All right. As I'm in the big blind, uh, the other gun makes it $13 to go. Six people call before it gets to me. Oh, man. Uh, based how loose everyone has been. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so, yeah, I... I'm reading out of order to make it make sense. Uh, all right, so it, it uh, raised under the gun for $13, six callers, and we are in the big blind with the ace of hearts, king of hearts. Uh, well, we're going to be out of position for the rest of this hand, so that's a pretty big pot already. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's a very powerful hand. I really I, I need to know what that under-the-gun player is like. If that under-the-gun player would only do that, make that kind of a raise at a active table with a good pair, you know, I got to think hard about this. You know, I mean, he could have aces or kings. If that's the only thing he does with that, then I'm like, well, I'm going to probably let this go or just call and hope for like a flush or a straight. But if it's something like, you know, this guy makes a lot of raises and it's active and all that, well, then I'm going to really pop this. And I think I got to pop it a lot because if it's an active table then and they're playing marginal hands and things like that, then I really need to, make sure that I get 
involved with one person who has a decent hand and I can kind of fig figure out exactly what he's playing or what he has. So in this case, I would probably make it a huge raise. I would think that if six people call that, you know, um, you know, you're looking at $60, $78 already in the pot, I might, I make a big bet like pot or more, you know, like 80 bucks, 85, something like that, just to try to get it down to one person. Yeah, I, I could. You, you, I think there's two lines you can play here. So one, I think you've got seven people in this hand and a decent pot right now. You've got a, a strong hand, but you also have a hand that has uh, the added benefit of flush possibilities as well, too. So, I mean, if this is a push or pull situation, you could you could elect to pull people in this pot and just make the call and go to battle with and hope for your flush to straights, you know, two pairs, that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, the other way is to push people out, and uh, there are a lot of people in here. There's a lot of money in this pot already. We've got a strong hand, so that's a very uh, justified thing, too. I, I think if I did that, I'm, I'm putting a stack of red in there. That's $100, I think, at this point. Yeah. Um, not everybody's going to call it, uh, and, you know, God willing, if they do, geez. <laughs> but, you know... Uh, you know, again, the idea would be you get a heads up, uh, or even to take it down. I mean, you know, you, you wouldn't try to maximize value with hands like this too, but there's like $80 in this pot already. Right. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's not bad at all. That's, you know, you're adding 10% to your stack there almost without doing anything. So, um, I guess it kind of feels how I'm going. I mean, I've got a big enough stack now that, um, you know, uh, I mean, maybe because of a big stack, you could put a lot more pressure on people later on because there's probably going to be some bets here on this flop, and you could probably push people off depending on what you get. So, I don't know. Um, I would feel, though, it seems like we've been playing well, and it's time to bully the table a little bit. So, I would probably uh, choose the $100 bet versus the call. But Okay. Usually, you know, usually I'm I'm the guy that's, that's betting, and you're the guy that might consider just limping. So I'm going to take the other tact, and I'm going to say, you know what? We're out of position this entire hand. It's a real active loose table, so I don't think I'm going to get enough folds from a raise. So I'm going to limp and be su and surprise them. Like, if this guy might have queens or something, and an ace or a king comes in, I'll get, get Gage's reaction to that after the flop, you know. And then if I think that, you know, my hand is good then I might come alive later or whatever. So I'm going to take the different approach this time. Normally I'm just going to raise here, but I'm going to take a different approach and just try to do something different than you. So I'm going to limp along and see what happens. All right. Uh, here it says, based on how loose everyone has been, I decided to make a much bigger bet than anyone has done tonight pre-flop. I've seen multiple pops where people call 40 to $60 pre-flop. So I put in a raise to $105. Yeah. A little sweeter there on top of what I've <laughs> Uh, it folds around to the villain who's in the cutoff. His body language seemed like he wanted to ship it all in, but after a bit of a delay, he decides to call, but everyone else folds. Villain started with $362, uh, so he has $257 behind. And uh, here I was thinking, holy cow, I bet that forced people out. Um, okay, so a couple things that are interesting about this. So this guy in the cutoff didn't raise the other gun. Exactly. And now we're getting the sense that he wanted to shove here, so that's a little scary. Um, um, and then the other thing is we have now $300 in the pot, and this guy has 257 left. So, I mean, we've got one bet left here. <laughs> like, right? I, yeah. 
I, I think like the hand's going to play itself now. So I guess well, we'll see what- the interesting thing is, like you said, you said it was scary that he looked like he wanted to shove. But to me, if I'm getting into his mindset, he's thinking, okay, I'm going to call this raise sort of in position, and I'm going to with my you know middling pair or something and try to uh, pop a set or see all unders, and I think the end of the gun has ace king, and then. When it gets back to him, he thinks, oh, the big blind's just trying to steal it because there's 80 bucks out there. Now I'll shove on top of his 100, and I'll take it all, and I'll get 180. That's what he's thinking in his head, and then ultimately he doesn't. So That's what he's thinking in the head he should have. That was that's I don't know what he has right now, but with the stack and the size of the pot now, I mean, he really should have shoved there, um, giving himself two chances to win here. Either, you know, if the big blind's just swinging, uh, swinging it around, um now we take now he just took down a massive pot right and didn't have to like see a flop that's that's powerful um and if not then you know all the money's in anyhow you're not gonna get pushed off of a hand and it's gonna play it out so i'm actually kind of really surprised if he, if he really wanted to ship it why he didn't yeah and i, I actually as uh, jimmy here i would prefer he did shove because I call with ace king every day because there's no way he had aces or kings because he or even queens really because he would have re-raised he wouldn't want that many people in the pot by the time it got to him he would have re-raised and he didn't so I feel like he's got a middling pair you know like tens or something and so I would if he wants to shove there and I'm up as much as I am I'll call his 200 left or whatever he has left and and easily race him with ace king of hearts so yep. you know I I would prefer a shove and that's what I'm saying. It seems like it's going to get all in on the. It really should get all in the flop, unless it's check check. But if there's a bet on the flop, it should be all in. So mm. it shouldn't be all that exciting of the rest of the hand. But yeah. There's a lot of words left in this email. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, a pot is sitting at about 280 to 290, and our hero says the flop is not a good one. The flop is the nine of spades, eight of spades, five of spades, and it's on us. Well. We represented a pretty big hand. I, I think he... I, I feel bad that we don't have a spade. Um, if we check, he's shoving. Um, yep. And then we're folding. So it's up to you. Do you want to lose 105 and be happy with that? Or do you want to take a chance that, you know, he's got any random spade in his hand and he's got a pair already and you have to hit a non-ace of heart, a non-ace or king of spades? So... You either shove here and hope that he doesn't have a spade and that he folds to what he thinks you have pocket aces or kings, or you check fold when he shoves on you. So it's just a matter of body language. I'm not in the moment. For the way it came down, Scott was saying he was a little nervous because the guy really looked like he wanted to shove. I think he's shoving on us, and I'm not willing to shove and get called and have to hope to hit two outs basically twice or four four outs, you know, I, I just don't see that that happening. Was it four outs? So you don't want the spade. So there's two and two. Yeah. So really four outs, and you got to do it on two streets. Uh, hope that he doesn't hit a spade if he has a spade in his hand. So I think I'm going to check fold. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Is like I think both people in this hand would have preferred to be all in pre-flop and not have to be make these decisions because yeah. this is sucks for us right now, right? Yeah. This is like one of the worst flops that we could have <laughs> hoped for. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think your analysis is right. I'm like, do we just, like, kiss the 105 goodbye, or do we put, you know, more money after bad money here? So, um, now, if we didn't think, if we thought he was going to 
uh, go all in preflop just to push us off the hand, then the right move here is to is to shove ourselves now and hope that he missed all this. Um, you know, if he doesn't have spades either, I'm like, again, so, I mean, realistically, the right bet here is a pot size bet, or, or is to put him all in, right? Because that's the, he has less than the pot. So, I mean, if he doesn't have spades, he now has to be worried that uh, he's drawing dead, right? And he doesn't want to lose his last $257. So, I think on balance, I think the best move here is the shove, but yeah. I don't know. I would uh, rather the situation. So It's tough because you, you think he has a made hand already. You have to think that because the way he was considering it. I mean, he could have had, you know, he could have had a hand that's not made and he's just going to, you know, play on our ability to tell a story that makes it think he has a hand. So, I don't know. I think if we check, he's shoving no matter what. And if we shove, I think he's probably calling because the amount of money that's in the pot and he probably has a spade. Um, but that's that's just hard. Unless I'm sitting across from him. It's black and white here. You know, you're telling me stuff and I'm writing it down. I, I don't know. But to me, I'm going to check fold. You know, the other interesting thing is, I mean, we're sitting here thinking that the only bet our villain has is a shove, right? Uh, which is the correct move, in, in my opinion. But that doesn't mean that that's what the villain's going to do. I mean, you could bet something like $100 or something, right? Right. And if it's that, then we show that's a more powerful move now, I think, because now if he doesn't have those spades, you know, he can't call that other $157 at that point when we've checked, raised them. Because, you know, in theory, you would think that if you had, if you flopped the, the flush here, that you, you're not going to bet out. But, um, but I would because of the size of the pot. So, um, so, but that, that's probably unlikely. So, yeah, I don't know. I think I got to show up here. I'm not going to like it, but I think I got to show. Is there an uh, is there a opportunity for a blocking bet here that gets him to maybe fold if he doesn't have anything and he just thinks you're getting value out of it, or is it just strictly okay? You know what? No matter what, no matter what, he's going to shove on you uh, if you bet anything. So why risk more money if you're not willing to call his all in? It's interesting. I mean, put like you know 100 bucks or something in. Yeah, like 130. 150, whatever he has, half of whatever he has. Just have him call. I mean, if you do that, I mean, you've already decided that you're you're putting the 257 in anyhow, right? So that's an interesting strategy, I guess. Yeah, uh, you're doing it with nothing. Call at that point doesn't change anything. Yeah. So, so if you bet 125, I mean, if the pot's like two, almost 300, you're literally almost you're almost betting half the pot, you know. Which, you know, I know that's. That's still less than normally we'd bet. We'd bet two thirds the pot probably on a flop. So okay, so you're a little less than that, but it's still it looks like it's a decent sized bet. You put out a stack of red and five red more chips. You know, I mean that that's a decent bet, and it looks like it's a value bet. Like you're saying, I've got the ace of spades and the ace of clubs in my hand or something. You know, and and then he folds his tens or something. You know, I, I don't know, but anyway, I, I I think I'm checking anyway. All right, you're checking, I'm shoving. Let's see what happens here. All right. Our hero says, it's on me, and I have two choices. I can either bet, which will commit me to the pot based on a stack, or I can check and hope he checks behind. As active as the table is, I honestly don't believe he would care if I had aces or kings here. I believe he would shove over any bet, and he would call any bet. Granted, this is almost completely based on observations made over the past four hours at the table. So I decided to check, and of course he immediately shoves for his remainder $257. Yeah, I'm folding I mean, what what am I calling for? Because I think he's bluffing. Well, okay, well, what's he bluffing with? I mean, he can still have a spade in his hand. He can still have a small pair. He can still have, 
you know, he could have random cards that'll still get hit on the outs too. You only have one way to win this hand, and that's if he doesn't already have a flush, you know, or, or can't make a flush. Um, and that's for a lot of ifs in there for you to win this hand. You got to fold. Well, this is the problem with checking now in hindsight is because we don't really know what he has. I mean, his only realistic bet there was to bet uh, pot and everything all in. And uh, and he could do that with anything now. So, I mean, had we bet, I mean, that, I, that's, I guess, the reason why I wanted to show up is because that would, you know, if he totally missed this or he, we gave the impression at all that we had spades or even a single spade, you know, he might have folded there and saved that $257 because he's in a, a much worse spot than we are. We're sitting with $1,100. We've had a great night, right? Yeah, so, yeah. And uh, so, I mean, his choice is to go home broke. So, I mean, that's where I would have liked to put the pressure. So, so now, I mean, yeah, since we checked any any bad, we have no more information than we had before, other than we have a really bad flop, and uh, we're looking at you know saving two hundred fifty seven dollars, and you know forgetting that that one hundred and five is gone. So, I, I do think now the way we played it, we do have to fold. But um, I'll be curious if we if that's not what happens, and we see what what the cards were here. So. Yeah. All right, our hero says, I don't believe he flopped a flush with this move. As, as big as my bet was pre-flop, why not let me commit myself on the turn or the river? So I started thinking about what he could have. I'm pretty sure he has an overpair. I even tell him I feel like he has jacks. Now I just pulled jacks out of the air to see his reaction. I don't really know that he has jacks, but in this case, tens, jacks, and queens uh, are the same hand. He may be hoping that if I have aces or kings that I don't have a spade and I can't call. I don't want to believe he has something like ace-jack, king-jack, because that would be too, uh, be so loose pre-flop, but it's hard to eliminate those possibilities based on the action at the table. I figure best-case scenario, I'm chasing four outs. I fold my hand face-up, hoping he would show. He flips over one card, the jack of spades, and mucks the other. Well, I feel like I made the right decisions throughout the hand. Should I let out for 150 or the 200 on the flop to put pressure on him? Maybe even move all in. Well, yeah, we did already answer that. So the fact that he had a jack of spades, he's not going anywhere, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, it it feels like he would be thinking that we had ace-king, and even if we had one of those spades, you know, he'd have a made pair of jacks. And then if he had jacks, then it's like, okay, you may have the spades, but I have a spade as a blocker, and you have to hit your spade to make your flush, whereas I already got a made hand, so now you're counting, you know. And he's counting on you folding because he shoved. And he's counting on you saying, okay, I can't make that call for just a hope to hit the flush with two cards to come. And that's what he's doing. Or he thinks that, okay, you have aces, but none of them's a spade. Because you've got aces, you're, you're quality, making a quality bet there. And instead, you're checking. So yeah. if you're not making a C bet for value, then, then, why are, you know, then what could you possibly have that his jacks can't beat? And so he was comfortable shoving, thinking, okay, I'm not going to let you hit the turn for a good price. I'm going to shove here and protect my hand, and I got a jack of spades as an out, and that, he's got to have two jacks there. Uh, either that or a jack, uh, offsuit jack 10 would play it the same way, I think. Yeah, I don't think it was ace jack, right? It, that's probably too loose. But jack 10, now you're open ended as well as that, yeah. that space too, and that, that gives you a lot of power there, or at least a lot more outs. Um, so I can see him playing that way. So, so yeah, again, I, I still think the, the best thing would have been the, the shove on that flop, but uh, but again, now knowing he has the jack of spades, uh, I really can't see him folding there for that, and now if he had jack 10, like I mentioned, then we then we had a chance, because then he has to hit uh, to beat us, but uh, you know, and if he had 
two jacks, then you know, then we had a couple more outs, but we're we're fading all those spades. And regardless of what he has, we're fading all those spades. So yeah, and I don't think it's jack ten, just because no one. I don't think anyone calls a raise to one hundred and five with jack ten preflop. I, I mean, I just don't. I don't see it. I mean, it's 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 a it's a loose it's a, game, but it's a good aces kings killer hand, right? So uh-huh. I mean, I, now I wouldn't do it with. 257 left behind so it is a little too loose so yeah it does seem more like jacks but if it was jacks again i go back to the beginning why why would jacks not raise uh, yeah. the first time around the table right you know i know you're a little scared about the under gun raising but you know you, you it's really tough to play jacks for a uh, set mining right so but you know, I guess you know if this this table is that crazy. Uh, but 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 that's even. I mean, now I just talked myself out of that too because we had seven callers here, right? Yeah, yeah. Seven callers with jacks. I mean, unless you are just deciding it's a set mining thing. So I, you know, I think you need to put. I mean, it, this is not a game I would enjoy this loose and this much money to to see flops and stuff. So I wouldn't be playing this game, and I'm sure there's some kind of button straddle. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I don't know. If he had jacks, I really really think he would have raced uh, pre-flop. So well, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's it's just one pip more than Dan Negreanu's. It's just tens comment. I mean, it's yeah. it's just jacks. And if you know. Maybe that under-the-gun player has aces or kings, and you're just saying, okay, I'm just going to call up my jacks and see what the flop is, be cautious here. And then someone else makes a big raise, and the under-the-gun folds, so now you're like, now you're contemplating shoving the jacks. So, I don't know. I feel like it's jacks, but he, he didn't show, so that's what sucks. Yeah. You know? But I think I think he made the right call. Uh, check folding is, is the right thing to do after that flop. Um, and again, that 105, we kind of were... You and I were hinting that that was the right amount. You know, I said eighty, you said a hundred. That I seems that seems like to be the right amount. It just, you know, I wish well, the guy did shove. We got heads up. That, that yeah. was our right. Our plan was either take it down or get heads up. So I yep. mean, you can't say that didn't work. Yep. Um, and it wasn't so much that we couldn't fold here, right? I mean, I mean, yeah, it sucks to kiss one hundred and five dollars behind uh, goodbye, but we're still sitting on a thousand now. Yeah. And you know, had we committed this hand, we we might be sitting on seven hundred instead. So. Yeah, I mean, worst case is I wish the guy shoved because then you know you're seeing all five cards and you know what he has. You got information there, and then maybe he doesn't have. Maybe he has the jack ten like you said, and then. But I, I don't think that's it either. That, oh, that have ace jack. I mean, ace jack would have played it this way. I think. I think ace jack would have played it more like this than anything else. Um, you think ace jack does this? I mean, let's look at it again. Under the gun raises. I wouldn't raise with ace jack in this situation pre flop, so that makes sense. Um and now when you put the raise to 105, yeah, maybe I don't call it yeah, ace-jack. And, he, and he's considering a shove with ace-jack, it seems like. So really, he's going to consider a shove, and he's going to call $105 raise preflop? Yeah. Ace-jack, it's a terrible hand. I think it's jacks. It's got to be jacks. Let's take yeah. a poll. Put a poll on Facebook for us, will you? Well, I still <laughs> consider that jack team to be out there. Some people like to play jack team as much as I do. So. Yeah, yeah. All right, probably those two, though. We so. need a poll. I think we need a poll. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.